welcome to Shoot First Talk Later with me, Robert Gershenson. My guest this time is one of those stand-up comedians you always see on the telly and also in the clubs. Um, his name is Tom Allen. We've done the shooting, now let's do the talking. Hello, Tom. Hello, Rob. Thank you for having me in this uh, echoey room. Echoey room. Very echoey. Uh, and uh, thank you for taking my photograph. <laughs> um, was it fun having your photograph taken by me? We've done we've done the shoot before, but it was more of yeah. a studio thing. Um, yeah, I do like it in my. No, I don't like it. What am I saying? I don't. I find it quite stressful if I see like if, when I see how it looks. I always think, why do I look like that? <laughs> I don't look like that, do I? <laughs> and then you realise, of course, you, you think you're a better. strong black woman. Well, uh, I I think I'm I'm just sort of more um, just different. Just don't have such a pinched, stupid face that I seem to have in <laughs> photographs, and uh, don't have um, don't have raised. I don't know. Just like, why do I raise my eyebrows like that? Why do my eyes pop out of my head like that? Why am I flowing my nostrils like that? Why am I pushing my lips out like that? That sort of thing. But don't we all get Vain. that vanity? That's what it is. But vanity. we all get that. Like I don't. I don't often like having my photo taken. Um, yeah, I think most people, I think, I guess most people are like that. And you sort of have to go, you know, you never see yourself as other people see you. So. Oh no, God, no. You, I mean, usually you only see yourself reversed if you're looking in the mirror. True. Yes. I always forget that. In a photograph, is it reversed? No, that's not reversed. No. Not reversed. No. But it depends how many, how often you're photographed. Well, well, yes. And if you take, if you take a photo with, like if you've got your smartphone and you take it with like the selfie yeah. Lens. Yeah. It's always a bit wider. So the closer you get to the camera, the more bulging your features are. Oh, is that right? And then like on a like a Skype camera is all the always the same webcam. Oh, isn't Skype? Always yeah. a bit wider. FaceTime I find like um unbearable for that because I don't really look at the person I'm talking to, I just look at myself. <laughs> no, but also if you if you take a screen grab through a um a FaceTime conversation or a Skype. Yeah, you're not looking at the person; you're looking at the screen because you're yeah. not looking. Yeah, so everybody at... looks like they're slightly just sort of shy. Yeah, on FaceTime conversations. They're just reading the auto cue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have to remember to look up the lens. Yes. Have, have you ever done auto cue? Actually. Yes. You have. Is it? It's literally like the 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 camera is behind the screen. I don't actually know. It's um. I guess it possibly varies, but um, I think the ones I've done, it's sort of projected actually onto the, where you look, where onto the camera somehow. But I don't know how that's possible, but somehow you're you're literally reading it off the camera. Magic. Lens. I think that's what's happening. I think it's that magic. might not be true, though. <laughs> that might just be what I did. You might look a bit shy. Just not, I'm just going to alter my mic in case people are wondering why it's making a weird noise. Um, so I've been, I've been thinking recently, because we're coming up to the end of the year, mm-hmm. and because I'm so self-involved, Tom. You are, Rob, yes. Um, I was thinking about what I've done this year in terms of career stuff and where I want to be this time next year. And I, I, was, I reminded myself that towards the end of like 2009 when I was working in television and I was so unhappy and I thought <laughs> right I'm, that's it I'm going to do photography mm-hmm. and I was like really dead set on that and I thought oh I'll just get a job in January in a, in a photographic studio and work my way up that way yeah I was so naive I thought I would just you know, just walk into a job. Mm-hmm. No one was hiring and it wasn't because there was a credit crunch on or yeah. it was just the fact that it's really competitive. So obviously I found another route. But sure. I just remember thinking, I, I reminded myself of thinking, Christ, I was so naive. When you started stand-up, did you think, oh, I'll just, oh, I'll just breeze in. It'll be great. I'll, be, I'll have my own <laughs> HBO special within two years. Um, I think you're always sort of learning about that. I think that's a good, a good thing to say, isn't it? Because I think... When you go into something, you just don't know quite how the how anyone's trajectory is going to be. And I think I always feel like in films about like, oh my god, a biopic about how so and so made it to the top is always like quite a linear. It's always depicted as quite a linear thing. Yeah, and that even if they have a setback, it's and it was quite, almost like an obvious thing it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even if there's a setback involved, there's like they just have one. Like I don't know, there just seems to be like one t- one thing to overcome, and then they made it, um, <laughs> and then but and then they it, became Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah, basically. When I don't, I mean, I don't know Muhammad Ali's story, 
But I do. He know. literally had one uh, one over one thing to one overcome. thing to overcome, yeah. and then and then he, he had to learn to box, and that was it. And then once he got those gloves on, he was great. <laughs> uh, I I think that I've yeah that usually things go up and down, and you have times when you go, oh God, what am I doing? This doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And then other times when you go, okay, I see. I see. And I think a lot of the time it's a case of learning you, you, to achieve anything. I was always told at school. To eat an elephant. You, you can't eat an elephant in one sitting. <laughs> so I went to a very opulent school. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, Private, <laughs> privately educated. I went to a comprehensive. But um, it was it was still, it was, um, it was, <laughs> we had very unusual uh, canteen. And uh, they said, you can't eat an elephant in one sitting because you've got to break it into chunks. And I think that's true of anybody's career. But the trouble is, when you first go into a career, you don't know what the chunks are. Yeah. So... You kind of have to learn about what you're doing. And sometimes that feels like this sort of weird kind of you feel like you're moving forward. But are you moving forward? But are you moving backwards? But should you be confident now and you've achieved something? Or should you be actually quite reticent and humble? And actually learning at times to go, no, I know what I'm doing is is valuable. But also learning like, oh, no, I've got a lot more to learn uh, is also valuable. Sort of working out what what you need at what time. It's almost like you start off um, not being able to see the wood for the trees yeah and as you go along you go i can see the trees now i can yes, see the yeah. whole thing there have been times when i've gone i don't like i'm i'm you know trying to write something and i just don't know i don't know what this is i don't know where i'm going with this as in like a bit or a bit or, or an edinburgh show or like um a sitcom script or lo- you know loads of different things and you just go what actually how is this going to feel and you just have to go through that kind mm. of um, terrifying <laughs> scramble through the uh, undergrowth and but then things somehow you, come you out do because I, I have those moments as well I think everybody does but you do those solitary it's just you and your laptop um, yes or well I try, I've learnt now that actually it's best to reach out to other people for me anyway that at this point I really like talking to other people about ideas and I don't actually thrive when I'm on my own do you do you throw it out to other comedians or non-comedy people um bit of both more other comedians because i think they're the ones who immediately sort of understand what you're doing and where you're trying to go with something mm. um so i try and reach out to friends that's been a really valuable lesson because i thought before like oh god i can't just do this instantly i should be so ashamed and um <laughs> and then i really learned like oh everything everyone's allowed to learn i wish i'd known that when i started out like i wish i'd known like it's okay to it's a, you can fuck up it's fine it's you? okay to fail yeah it's okay because there's a great you, quote from I can't remember which one, whichever director it is within one of the, one of the directors within one of the Pixar directors. said one of the Pixar one of the Pixar directors, and he pretty much said, um, "You need to fail, and you need to fail fast." Oh, that's good. You need good. to get your failures out the way. Yeah, learn from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank Skinner says it takes. Uh, I think this is right. He says it. You do stand up for ten years, and then you start getting good. So I think that's. That's no bad thing. That's no bad way to look at it. Because I think our culture is so obsessed with going, be good now. Oh my yeah. God, this person is amazing and they're only three years old. And <laughs> like, there's no, so. oh, it, 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 this whole, you know, the, the whole the record label and the, uh, the, the X Factor thing where yes. if someone hasn't got a hit single straight out the block, yeah. then they get dumped. Yeah, but back yeah. in the day, like in the 70s, and the acts that actually have real longevity, the real artists, probably didn't make it until their third or fourth album. Absolutely, But nobody's yeah. really given the chance to do that these Loads days. Loads of people, yeah. I think that's why it's all the more important that creative people empower themselves to go, actually, no, I am good. You know, and it's a case mm. of believing in yourself and going, I don't need somebody else's valid. I mean, it's, this is, again, another thing that's easier said than done. But it, 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 it's sort of, you know, you've got you to take yourself seriously enough to go, actually, I am good. And yeah, I'm learning. But I know that that's going to lead somewhere worthwhile in the, in the long term. There is a, there is a quote. I'm sure. The, I'm, I, I, actually, it's not a quote. It's more of a paraphrase. I went to the <laughs> I went to the Imperial War Museum. Clang. I'm showing off. Yeah. Um, and it was a free exhibition. Of course, of course, free clang. Um, <laughs> and it was a it was the Don McCullen. Um, oh, right. f- uh, exhibition. He's a war photographer. Oh yeah. So he started off in East London just photographing the boys. You oh. know the boys. If I see, I'm trying to think if I've seen maybe a bit of these. You yeah. would have seen some of his. His pictures are iconic, and he's right. he's got to the point now. He's one of those photographers where you've seen his images, but his images are more famous than he is in the respect. Oh, that right, right. You'd know his stuff more okay. than him. So they show this little video on loop in one of the little installations and it was him in his house and he still had the Reader's Digest um, uh, 
books that he obviously collected on a month or week by week basis when he was a kid oh, okay. that he learned photography from oh, okay. and he said i've still got these i still read them oh, because wow. even though i've been doing this for decades i can't remember it all and i can't wow. learn it all there's still wow. more to learn oh wow and when i when I, I i i saw that when i was just on the cusp of you know thinking yeah. it's photography for me um should i leave television and um that kind of was one of the the things that yeah because yeah. there's obviously a, it's it's a, i've always seen photography as the perfect kind of uh like crossroads of um art and science you oh, use yes. use oh, yeah, light manipulation yeah. to make art even though yeah. i would never call myself an artist i'm more of a commercial photographer oh, i think okay. it's other people would okay. call yeah. me an artist like would you call yourself a comedian or an artist um, a comedian, yeah, you're right. yeah, I wouldn't be like, yeah. hi, I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so, but, so funny. But, but I, th- I mean, I but do the think art it's, of comedy, yeah, it's timing, it's it's understanding an audience and controlling a room in a way you manipulate yeah, are, them for what you yeah, want. So sure. it is an art Mani- form, very manipulative. Um, but I really took that to heart. I really took that there is so much to learn, and I can't be disheartened with myself. I don't think I pronounced that right. I can't be too hard on myself. If I don't know something, or if I'm if I'm sodding up, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. And just to go, oh well, like when you realise that, because I think that's the thing, and it's that's why I guess things like X Factor, you know, they thrive on those TV programs. Be like, good now, you've got to be good now. Yeah, um, and it's an age thing as well. I remember yeah. one of the guys; he was thirty-five, and they were like. If you don't get it this week, this is your last chance. It's like, he's 35. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't really do anything of worth for the first three decades of your life, really, <laughs> most people. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? You don't really... I mean, when... Look, I don't know about me, but... Sorry, I don't know about you, but... <laughs> I, I, I don't know, know about, about me. me. When, when I was in my 20s, mm. I thought, yeah, I'm pretty sorted. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah when yeah. I look back, I'm like, oh, oh my God, God, I was an idiot. Mess. <laughs> yeah. It's only in my 30s I felt a lot more settled and a lot yeah. more calm to go... Actually, I'm okay. I, I, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. Like it was okay that I made mistakes in my twenties. That I wasn't perfect all the time or whatever. Um, and now I feel a lot more calm with that. Somebody said recently um, that my friend Barry said to me how. Clang. Thank you. He said um, <laughs> that you know you often feel like you, you kind of go, "What am I doing next? Why am I do- why am I going on these weird sort of tangents with my career?" And he said, "And actually, a good. I don't want to misquote him, but." Paraphrase. To paraphrase him, I think <laughs> what I wanted him to have said was something along the no, I think he did say something. I could rewrite my own like, history. He would have said he would have said something like, um, you, you know, your life can feel all over the place, but actually, when you, hopefully at the end of your life, when you look back, then it feels like a very well written story. But in that sort of Dickensian way, you know, that stories do go on, sort of, uh, you know, everything does seem quite insane at the time, but actually. In the long term, it all works out. You kind of realize, oh, because I did that, I met so-and-so, and that led to this, and then we did that. And, you know, everything does seem to sort of fall together. Yeah. Do you ever get those moments where you think, oh, God, if I didn't take that opportunity, I wouldn't be here doing this opportunity now? Yeah, absolutely. It is almost too terrifying to think about, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Like, I don't look at that too much because I go, but if I hadn't done that one thing on that one day, like, and it can sort of... I find it quite par- paralyzing for future future decisions, <laughs> and I'm very indecisive. Let me tell you, Rob. But I've I've, I've kind of learned over the past couple of years take every opportunity, even if you think nothing's going to come from it. Yeah, always say yes. I am. Yeah. Um, I there's there's always a thing about working for free, mm. but I don't mind doing it. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah. for charity. Sure. So I shot a charity gig. Earlier this year, uh-huh. um, for are you coming out? Do you know? Oh. Do you know are you coming out? Um, Rue coming out. Rue coming out. It yeah, cool. it does look like Rue coming out. <laughs> um, so it's an online archive for coming out stories and and support. So I'm shooting the um, like the celebrity media wall um, oh, right. upstairs at the RVT, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. Oh yeah, um, the new upstairs bit. I, I don't think it's new. Oh, is I there, just, I've never been upstairs there. Oh, it's just like, it's not open to the the, oh, right. the normal punters. It's like like um, staff area. Oh. There's like a little chill out room. Oh, is there? Yeah. It, I mean, it looks like someone's, it just looks like a flat. Oh. Just I with no furniture. I think they're converting that into like a champagne bar, aren't they, or something? I don't know. It's all up in the air, really. Oh, it's just it? been given grade two listed uh, so status. Yeah. Which means 
A, it's not going anywhere, mm. but B, it's going to cost the owners a lot more to keep it up. Well, yeah. But swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts. But I'm still glad that it's protected. Yeah. Um, so I, I, while, I, while there, I got chatting to some guy from Sony Ooh. who um, was there with a, a boy band. Um, and we kept in contact. And from that, I've got work. I've, I've got stuff with, with Sony going on. But I keep thinking, oh, what if I had said, no, I'm not working for free. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You've got to take... It's kind of playing, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are times when people go like, can you just do it for free? And you sort of go, well, like, you know, and there's that thing of like, ex- someone put like an open letter on Facebook, I think, at some point. Some, I think it was a musician, somebody wanted to use their, somebody wanted to use their music for something or other. Yeah. And they said it would be great exposure. And he said, as far as I know, exposure is something that you die of in the cold. <laughs> like it's sort of, and I think there's, there's times when you, again, you have to take yourself seriously enough yeah. to go, actually, I'm, I need to be paid for this. Mm. Um, well, it, it comes down to self, literally self-worth. Yes, absolutely. As my dad has always said, the world takes you to your own valuation. And I think that's true. If you kind of go, yeah, I'll do, I'll do anything for free, I don't mind, then the world will sort of go, yeah, yeah probably, yeah. Uh, but if you go, no, I'm worth money. Pay me money. 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 Then, uh, then I don't know. Then the world goes, okay, it's valuable. It's like those products that they charge, like, isn't it easier to sell a £10,000 watch than it is to sell a £10 watch? Is it? Because people go, it's a £10,000 watch. It must be great. And people are like, that makes like, sense. I think, I think so. so. There's some, again, another <laughs> another quote <laughs> that I've sort of <laughs> paraphrased, sl- paraphrased <laughs> slash made up. Um, when you first started getting into comedy, mm-hmm. Um, was it a case that you had to work for free? I'm guessing it was open mic nights you were starting um, off at. Yes, there was a bit of working for free. Um, and yeah, things like open mic nights or sort of uh, um, new material nights that that you don't get paid for and that, or don't get paid very much for, which is absolutely fine. Uh, I find that, yeah, and you sort of hopefully build up and you sort of build to doing better paid gigs in bigger clubs and stuff. And that's, yeah, that's kind of... There is a trajectory of sorts. You just have to be disciplined to stick to it. Was stand-up comedy always the goal? No, I st- well, I knew I knew I wanted to do something creative, and I think I want. I started out as an actor. I wanted to be an actor, but I think looking back, I wanted to do that because that was the only path I thought was available. Because when I, I was at school, no one was like, "You should become a stand-up." Because no one said that, or they did. No one said no that. One said because that. in like when I was at school, like the stand-ups were people who I didn't feel like I related to or would be able to I feel like a very terrifying um world to go into people like who I suppose well there were people like Victoria Wood who were doing stand-up who I loved but then I suppose there were more sort of blokey blokes like Jim Davidson and stuff and I was like well I couldn't do that and I couldn't do like like as far as I understood it was like the clubs in the north that you'd have to do and I couldn't do any of that so but then as I was I was an actor and I was working at the National Youth Theatre and somebody suggested, why don't you have a go? At, well, you, you know, you could have a go at stand-up. Why don't you just try it? What year is this, roughly? 2004, end of 2004. Okay. Um, and 11 years ago. 11 years. And I went, wow, oh, I couldn't do that. And they went, yeah, you could. And then a friend of mine was running like a sort of night of mixed material, mixed like bands and spoken word and stuff. And so they said, why don't you just do like five minutes? And so I did. And then it sort of went from there. But I never... I never went into it going like, I want to tell jokes. I always liked telling stories and I liked sort of creating worlds and introducing people to worlds of things and taking people on a bit of a yarn, I suppose, is what I always enjoyed. Do you remember your first five minutes? What was that? Um, yes, I talked about going to a football match for the first time. And I think because there's always, there's always that thing of, in comedy about contrast, about fishes out of water and kind of, that for me anyway, that I always enjoy people who feel like this person doesn't seem to belong here. Why are they here? And so me, I, was, I used to work for... Um, I used to work as a waiter and my colleagues took me to see Millwall play football. Oh, God. I mean, I don't know much about football, but Millwall allegedly uh, the, have yeah. the the harshest the fans. The harshest fans. Yeah. Um, and actually, I had a very nice time. It was they weren't, they weren't unpleasant to me, in my experience. I suppose I didn't really say much. <laughs> also, they made me... Um, my, they made me, like, change my clothes so I was wearing a football shirt when Ooh. we went. But... Um, but it was, you know, just sort what of the you went before. Oh, I can't remember. Probably a tailcoat or something. <laughs> and then, um, and then we got changed. I got changed, and then we went, and it was fine. But it was, it was still that sort of idea of like being different and sort of being surprising, which I think is always key. Mm. You know, because people go, "Oh, I didn't expect that to happen." Um, 
And the world is full of those contrasts and things, situations you wouldn't expect. So it sort of plays on that, really. And shortly after, that's when you won the the BBC competition. Yes, yeah, about a year after that, yeah. Oh wow! So, yeah. So you honed it, the Honda skill quite, yeah, quite avidly, did, or did you yeah, just kind of go I with mean, the flow? Yeah, I wasn't because of what my style at that point was quite storytelling-y, and so it was difficult to find a place for it to fit. So I, I had yet to learn the sort of the grammar of stand-up that is much more. Um, is, is is much what is the word punctuated i suppose like you have to it's a slightly different rhythm to just sort of telling a story yeah. um and and so you learn about kind of what works in different environments and you learn and that's that's really what the skill is i think over the years that you learn about like oh if i walk into a, a room at the back of a pub with 12 people in it how will i play that okay if i walk into i don't know a, a big room with 300 people in it then how do i play that and it's saturday night and they're all drunk or it's an afternoon and they're all old ladies doing their knitting you know all these different environments that's part of the job that you just learn to be able to play those different rooms to find different gears to go into and to make your material pertinent to them that they're going to be engaged with it and laugh at it hopefully but uh it's it's yeah that's sort of that's what i've learned with it and that there's a grammar with it um and as well when i started out there wasn't such a defined alternative scene as i think there is now in the uk uh now where there's Things like the Invisible Dot, for example, who do a lot of in, sort of alternative, or who produce and host a lot of alternative comedy. Um, there wasn't there wasn't so much of that when I started out in two thousand and five, and I think that was maybe a factor in in me learning about different rooms because um, I had to. Uh, but I, I think it's very interesting that there's now much more of a support network for people who just have a different rhythm to the way they deliver stand up, or a different style, or a different subject matter. Um, but 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 yeah, I think it's all like I say, it's all worthy. It's all worth learning, and it's all worthwhile. Did did any uh, for you? Did any comedian kind of take you? I'm being very dry on this podcast. I've realised I'm not being very funny. People are going, well, who's he? <laughs> not very funny, is he? Just went on about like doing different clubs and that. <laughs> wanted a um, bit of a laugh. We just wanted a bit of a laugh. You can recall some of your bits if you want. I love it. The comedians call it a bit. I'm doing a bit. I'm just doing a bit. Some people. Um, call it a sketch but it's one of your sketches but they're not sketches are they're they? not sketches I always find that quite confusing but I suppose it is in a way because it is a bit of a you know it's a little bit of a play that you're doing and sometimes you're doing different voices and you're doing but it's almost like a monologue it's a, it is a monologue yeah. I mean it is a monologue I mean there's you can be a bit free and you can improvise as much as you want but you've always got a structure there that's a bit mon- but this monologue but this isn't one of those I mean I, I see comedians on, on chat shows like Graham Norton or Jonathan oh, yeah. Ross yeah. and it's clearly it's clearly been all pre-rehearsed because well, the, the person will ask a question and then the comedian will launch into an answer, but it's actually their bit. Sometimes they do that. Um, sometimes not. I don't, I don't, not I, all some, the time, but yeah, I don't just say this know, isn't yeah. that situation. That's this is true. We haven't done this. Getting to know the real Tom. We're getting to know me. How fascinating. <laughs> um, yes. Um, so back in the day, did any comedians take you under their wing? Uh, did you have mentors? Yeah, I had. Yeah, lots of people were really like the comedy scene is actually very kind. Like, it's much kind. I think it's always assumed to be like really like cutthroat, cutthroat. And I, I suppose there are elements of it that are a bit like that. But there, most comics are kind and generous because they understand what it's like. Because and, and also, we spend a lot of time on our own. We travel to gigs on our own. We stand up on stage on our own. So if you encounter somebody else in a green room or in a service station, you're kind of usually quite pleased to see them because you go... Oh, do you bump into them in, in like... Not, not often in service stations, but um, yeah. <laughs> see people, like the inclination is to go, hi, and people are... I think that you have to have a certain... To be a good comic, like now in our sort of more... Um, I don't know, now in an age when people are interested in comedy that's based on vulnerability and insecurity uh, and anxieties that people kind of keep hidden, uh, I think you've got to have a, a degree of empathy, otherwise that just wouldn't work. You just wouldn't be able to connect with people and be like, who's this arsehole just get up here shouting about how great he is? So there has to be, you know, people are, t- on the whole, they tend to be nice. Yeah. Uh, there, I think there were lots of people who took me under their wing, really. So, yeah, it would be difficult to name any single one, but I've learned a lot from just different people, I think, who've either either just been nice enough to book me for their gig or, who, you know, or, or who just kind of just were just nice, I think, because then you feel but like... But they, you, but they take you to one side and learn. say, 
the, what you're doing there is great. I think if you added this element or took this element out or changed this element, then you you might be on a, a different. You know, they, if they if they gave you positive tips, mm-hmm. does that sort positive of positive tips? That would be a great tips. name for a book. Does that even does um, that happen, or are people seemingly nice but distant enough to protect their own? Because you're all freelancers essentially. You're all the competition. Yeah. Are we? So what was sorry? What was the question? So did people take you aside and say, "I love your I love your act, but I think you should alter this, this, um, and this because that that will make it positive." Sometimes will do that, or they'll go, "Oh, you know, you could put a callback in there where you go where you refer back to an earlier joke mm. that would work at the end of that bit, which is later in your set." Or they'd say, "Have you thought about saying that at the end of your joke there?" Or you know, stuff like that. And I think that can be very useful because sometimes you just can't, but like saying the wood for the trees and everything, you never see yourself as other people see you and, yeah. and that that's useful. But sometimes people will, and maybe that happened to me a couple of times, a few times, yeah, probably. Um, but sometimes as well, there is a there is a bit more, there's often a respect amongst comics. They don't want to, it's, it's quite a personal thing. It'd be to walk into someone else's craft and go, oh, why don't you just say this? And there's a story, and I can't remember who it is, it's bad, so maybe I shouldn't tell it, but an American comic. Paraphrase it. Again, <laughs> dreadful <laughs> paraphrasing. Uh, an American comic who talked about, I think it was when his dad, dad died, and he was doing it on television, and he said his dad died when he was four, and one of the producers said to him, um, it's just a bit like jarringly sad when you talk about your dad dying at the age of when you were four. Um, is there any chance like you could just change it to... Uh, so like maybe you were like 11 or like 15 or something. <laughs> and he went, and apparently he responded like, well, I, I could do that. But it happened when I was fucking four. <laughs> and, and I think from the outside, it's very easy to be like, well, just move it around. Just do it like this. But the fact is it come like you write something because of a variety of reasons, often which are personal and really, you know, really painful or really, you know, really, you had really strong feelings around. And then just to sort of like muddle them. What's sometimes useful to make it structurally make a bit more sense? Yeah. Actually, I think the you can take some artistic license. You can take some artistic license, certainly. But actually, you know, certain things you might just feel like I know I wrote that for a reason, or I put that word in for a reason, and it might not make sense to anybody else. But you do it because you believe in it, and I think and it represents anything, you. Yeah, it represents you, and I yeah. think that audiences are savvy enough. Like we're very human beings. I think are very in tune with people on a on a level like that. They're like they they were evolutionary or. Ev- We've evolved to, <laughs> can't even think of the words, <laughs> never mind paraphrase. We've evolved to sort of analyse like what we, who we trust and who we don't trust. And, and it's, I more, think, it's a gut, it's definitely a gut feeling. Yeah. And I think that's what happens sometimes if you see someone on stage and the audience aren't going with it. I think they're kind of going, well, we don't feel quite comfortable here. We don't know, is there something untruthful happening? Or they think, that happens I think a lot if one is nervous on stage, audiences pick up on nerves and they go, and then if you try and hide your nerves, then audiences go, this person isn't telling the truth. <laughs> Well, they're, they're, they're not happy with this. They're not enjoying the situation. people hunt like packs. They do. Yeah, or people hunt in packs. Yeah. Like packs, yeah. in packs. And I think there's also an empathy with it because we are all in the same pack that I think if people see someone in pain on stage, their natural res- response is to go, oh, I will mirror that because I want to empathize with that. I want to understand that. I want to support that. Hiding nerves must be probably the, I, just, just an outside perspective, the greatest skill that a new comic could learn one of i suppose yeah yeah i think i still get nervous i think that but it's not it's not i mean i guess the nerve the nerves that you experience is definitely not as the it's definitely not the same nerves as a brand new comic for the brand new comic it's yeah this it's, is a world uncharted by myself yeah well like anything like oh like my i'm learning to drive and my driving instructor was like like, you won't be nervous for your driving test. Like, you've done all those things. You've done this. You've done that. Why are you going to be nervous about doing a driving test? Anyway, came to my driving test. I've never been so nervous in my whole life. <laughs> Just because it's like, you don't know how a driving test is going to be. You've got some weirdo sitting next to you. I mean, he wasn't actually a weirdo. He was really nice. Um, he didn't pass me. But he... Oh, he's a weirdo a, then. Weirdo, freak. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's got four pedals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got his own set of pedals, hasn't he? His own set of pedals, like some organ player. <laughs> and uh, Doesn't even trust me. Doesn't even trust me, which was probably true. In his probably Ford Fiesta. <laughs> but he was, um, it, it was kind of really nerve-wracking and in a way that just anything new is. Um, but yeah, with stand-up... It's definitely the unknown. 
and being out of is it out is it being out of control as well not able to control yeah you don't your yeah, environment so do you trust your instincts in that situation or do you kind of try and hold on to things and try and just power through and do you laugh or do you not you know all these things come to play that you know we also aspire to have quite um quite quite linear or quite mundane lives so they're safe and secure but i think actually the best things come when we challenge ourselves but but it's frightening. It's not very pleasant, really. So I think in terms of stand-up, like everything is, is you know, it's a bit scary. It's a bit frightening. But, you know, you just go, you, you learn to deal with it. You learn to manage it. That's quite a good thing, sort of mindful, meditative way. And, um, and uh, yeah, you just get on with it, really. And you realise it's a job. That's the thing as well. You, it becomes a job. So you know you have to just keep calm and just do it. Just do your best. You've got to find your own processes essentially to churn out the product yeah yeah you find a way of yeah you you realize that actually you've worked hard to get to that position you don't want to pass it up mm. when you're on stage or you know mess it up and also you don't want to mess it up for other people so that all should calm you down and somebody said to me nerves are just the flip side of excitement which was the was a very good piece of advice that is a good yeah i like that um so sometimes you can go oh am i nervous or am i just excited about this and i'm just not allowing myself to be excited <laughs> and then then you have a lovely time. Because that little voice in the back of your head. It is the little voice. He's always there. Yeah, going, mm, not for you. <laughs> no, no. You thought you could do this. You can't. Other people can, not you. Don't do you silly. experience that voice quite a lot? Yes. Well. Is he here now? Um, no, he's mm, maybe a little bit here. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's true. That's a good question. Is he? Yeah, I think he is still a bit here. And would go like. Mm, you stupid idiot having your photograph taken. Look at you. <laughs> uh, and uh, Talking into a microphone. Talking into a microphone like that. No one talks <laughs> into microphones like that. Stupid. Uh, but sometimes when we're aware of those things, then we can manage them. See, even my challenging voice to the inner critic has to be... It's from New York. It's from New York. Ooh, oh, a telephone. The that'll telephone be, is ringing. That'll be... Oh, we'll just let that ring out. Yeah. That'll be um, somebody phoning from that wine... One of those wine companies going, Hello, uh, it's Brian here from Lathwaite's Wine. Uh, can I speak to... Because <laughs> we're in my parents' house at the moment. Oh, it's so gratingly loud. <laughs> it's so old school as well. Ba-ba. It's gone now. It's gone. We don't pick up the phone as well. We've got all the phones on. We don't pick up the phone. Why? Because it's going to be someone selling something. Uh, See, I get a lot of PPI phoning me, or um, I'm just phoning you about the accident you were in. What is that? What? What? I don't understand what that's How bad was the accident that I don't remember it? (laughs) Oh my God. The accident. Could you give me some information about the accident accident I was in? Um, Yeah, I know that's so weird. I think if if someone phones me this week, I will just say to them, have you seen the new Star Wars yet? <laughs> and if they say no, I'll say, I'm, in three seconds time, I'm going to tell you all the spoilers. <laughs> I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. <laughs> and I will reveal everything. Uh, I've got to watch all of Star Wars. Have you not watched any of them? No. So it wasn't part of your childhood? No. So it wasn't... Flash Gordon. What the Star Wars for gay kids? <laughs> That's what it was for me. As in the the film Flash Gordon or the serials? Oh, the film. The film. <laughs> You're not that old. Um, it's interesting you say that Star Wars wasn't part of your childhood because it's it's for people our age, and there's only a couple of years between us. It's quite unusual. Yeah. Yeah, I'm quite an unusual person. Very unusual. Um, but I didn't discover it until I was 14. Oh right! So the original original oh. versions has no place for me in in right. Like, in I, I have no feelings towards it. I saw the the updated versions okay. and seeing this new one, it kind of made me remember that I I wasn't into the the originals. Um, but it also made me think of something when when a a an artistic creator makes yeah. something, yeah. and then years later revisits and changes things oh yeah and i kind of realized and I'd, i'm interested to know your opinion on this i'm sure in the world of comedy mm. that's probably fine yeah. monty python can, can come back after how many years and redo those sketches and tweak them yeah and they're still familiar yeah but you can clearly see there's some differences there and right. people are fine with that but right. with film it seems it's a no-no don't don't change it that's set in stone. Why would you change something from, from the 70s, from the 80s? Or is those sort of things of, uh, 
Like a piece of art is never finished. It's just abandoned. That's exactly what George Lucas said. Oh, did he say that? Maybe he's pretty the person much, who quit. Pretty much like that. He said, I didn't finish Star Wars. I had to just, I had to put it out there because of the, yeah. A, I didn't have yeah. the, 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 te- the technology wasn't up to par. Right. And also we had a release date. Right, So I yeah. never really finished it. I had to let it go. And um, I've heard people, oh, I don't know which film director who said this, but somebody <laughs> said that, uh, somebody interviewed a film director and said, do you always know exactly how you want your film to look? What do you want it to be when, you, when you're making it? He said, I know exactly what I want it to be and how I want it to look around about six months after I finished filming it. Yeah. <laughs> finished it. And you realize like, I can completely relate to that. At yeah, times. yeah. 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 I think that there is an element of, again, you never see things as other people see, like other people take it on board and go a thing. Yeah. I didn't make a thing today. That's a thing somebody made. Wow. That's great. I'm really <laughs> enjoying that thing they made. And it feels like it's so confident, so assured, but of course it's very vulnerable and that's never, you know, it's very difficult, I think, to put that across, especially when we see people selling a film. They can't be up there going like, I, I hope you like it. I, I, I worked really hard and <laughs> I put my whole life into it. Because they, they always oh, have to say, like that. The Nick Rhodes' keyboardist from Duran Duran will oh. always say, regardless of whether the album's good or bad, he'll always say, it's our best since Rio, which was their big 80s album. Okay. Doesn't matter what quality the album is. Yeah. This is our best since Rio. <laughs> and you listen to it sometimes and go, no. This isn't. Oh, really? This isn't your best since Rio. This isn't your best. Right. Um, but it's, I, where, it's just what they did. It's where they're at. You know, yeah, they I guess it's just a headspace. Either it's a headspace it. or B, it's the marketing. You, nobody really goes out and says, eh, you know, this album's a bit shit, uh, <laughs> but could you buy it anyway? Because I want to extend my house. <laughs> I really want a conservatory this year. Um, yeah, I suppose there is an element of that. Yeah. One thing that I always have to kind of push out of my head um or, or just kind of realize when i like put a photo out there is that mm. this version of the photo is kind of the only evidence or the only insight into the shoot that most people have so if i had a plan for a photo okay and it didn't go too well or it didn't go exactly how I thought it was going to go, and I ended up with a photo that looked slightly different to what I planned. Mm. Only I know that. Oh yes, only of course. I know that. Yeah. Um, but also, while I'm in the shoot, um, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying before, you you kind of when you're working through your bits and your your scripts, more or less, you're on your own. So it's, yeah. just, it's just a relationship between you and your computer mm. and no one else is there to look at you going, oh, I can yeah. see in your eyes you don't know what you're doing or you're trying to find something. For me, I've usually got people around me because I've got lights oh, up, yeah. I've got someone sitting there. Yeah. Like today when we were, we were shooting here oh, and yeah. we were doing stuff on the stairs yeah. and I was trying to find how I was going to do it on the stairs, mm. uh, moving the lights a little bit, just getting you to move just ever so slightly. Yeah. And... It, it's it's almost like workshopping it. Yeah, there yeah. And then, when most people think, why haven't you come prepared? You're like, well, I couldn't, you yeah, can't. You couldn't, like, how would you prepare? Yeah, <laughs> yeah how yeah, would I prepare that. for a house I've only seen once before? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, actually, probably more often than not, I don't know what the location is going to look like when I do the shoots. Right, yeah, of course. A bit like me turning up to a gig. Yeah, oh, Exactly, what... yeah. You don't know who's going to be there. Yeah. You might have in your head that you're going to walk out and go, right, I'm going to say this. They're going to laugh. Then yeah. I'm going to come back with this, this. But you may get to the point where you go to open your mouth and sh- someone heckles you. So then you have to answer that. And that'll take a minute to die down. Then you've got a less, one less minute on your yeah. on your set. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you just sort of you've got to be adaptable. Adaptable, and that, and, and, and that, and that takes that. You know, you've got to kind of minimize that voice in your head that's going stupid, <laughs> and uh, have a voice going, "No, you're doing good. You're doing really good today." Sometimes that voice comes out, and I think that's when we're at our best. When we go, when the voice is going, "Hey, it's okay. Oh, that was good. Oh yeah, just try it like that. Oh, yeah. it's okay. You're allowed to mess up. It's okay. People trust you." Like those sorts of things, and those sorts of voices, and then then you feel relaxed. The dark. Then you can, anxiety days and then you have the dark anxiety days how do you combat those uh exercise helps a lot going to the gym i find helps a lot for me uh and seeing people helps a lot if i'm feeling very sort of self-critical very sort of immobilized in my 
in my creativity. Just talking to other people and finding something to talk about. And just when you're so having an Andy Warhol day. What's an Andy Warhol day? Just like miserable. Did he have days like that? I'm pretty sure they all have them. Yeah. Like uh, Kenneth Williams, having a Kenneth Williams day. Having a Kenneth Williams day. Yeah, then <clears throat> I think, yeah, then... You, you, and actually it's normal, it's part of human existence to have yeah. up days and down days. I, I, I really don't think it's... Um, I don't think it's uh, just for creative people. I'm trying to think of a word, but I can't think of my words. Um, I imagine people, you know, work in the post office or work as a milkman or work in the call centre. No one works as a milkman anymore. But yeah, <laughs> we had a milkman for a while. Yeah, we all recently. Did. No, recently. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we decided not to keep him on. Sorry, um, not today, thank you. <laughs> because he didn't put um, sell-by dates or um, use-by dates on the milk, so we had we couldn't track what was in, what was out, and smelling no. it wasn't working. But oh. I I like I mean not that I have milk anymore with a a non-dairy diet. But is that what you have a non-dairy? I like I try and cut milk out as much as possible. I like the shape of milk bottles. I prefer them to the plastic ones. Well, it occurred to me the other day that we're all like. Like, so like, oh my God, guys, we've wasted so much. We've got to start recycling. Well, when I grew up, like, milk bottles were bottles of glass that yeah. you put in the dishwasher or washed Even up. Even the orange I got at school. Yeah, was in a glass thing that went milk back and to orange. the factory, I was, was sterilized. And then I was, uh, like, lactose intolerant and all that kind of oh, hyperactive E-numbers oh, bullshit. Yeah. Uh, proper 80s kid. So yeah. I used to get <laughs> a, um, a carton of orange juice or a little glass bottle of orange juice. Yeah. And everyone else got milk. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. everything in the past was was much, much. People went much to the shops with a better. basket. You My know, grandmother had a little, little yeah, like a granny pool, yeah. pool trolley. Yeah, yeah. People have those all the time. And now it's like it's only even the last little while that people have been like, "Don't worry, just get a plastic bottle of milk and have a plastic <laughs> bag. Put in a plastic bag, a five p plastic bag, which hasn't stopped people getting those plastic no, bags. No, because five p, no one cares about five p. Yeah. Are you going to save a bag for five p? Make it five pounds. Make it five pounds. That, that is true. Also, the trouble with the plastic bag thing is, and I don't know what people are going to think about this, but I'm going to say it. What are you, are you, gonna, are to, you about to say something controversial, Tom? Well, what are you supposed to line your kitchen bins with? <laughs> then you buy bin liners. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe if they gave us, they, the government. They. 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 When you were a kid, it was always, oh, they're making that for real. Like, they're making those hoverboards. Yeah, Who, who they, are they? they? Who are, are they? The government, the government, anonymous, Anon- <laughs> yeah, the Illuminati, the Illuminati, are <laughs> controlling this plastic bag situation. They just gave us like industrial strength cardboard. That would work. What? F- what for? Industrial strength cardboard bag. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the most interesting topic, but if well, I ruled the world, I'm sure people have opinions on it. You know, <laughs> but the five p plastic bag thing, yeah, is a bit like. Yeah, sure, I'll pay 5p for a plastic bag. I think it's just one of those political policies but that... I also don't know where to recycle them. I would recycle them, but there's not really a way to... You're meant to, to reuse them, that's the thing. Plastic bags? Yeah, you're meant but to the keep them, is... and then if you go Sainsbury's, you're meant to take Tesco's bags with you. But if you go, if you forget, you know, that's the thing, I, like, it sort of removes that spontaneity. So for a lot of people, they're just like, oh, I'll just pop into the shops and get a few bits. Yeah. Oh, I'm here now, I might as well do my shopping. So then they'll buy plastic bags. Whereas... Maybe they haven't thought that, because whoever plans... You know, aside from Thursday Big Shop, yeah, no one you have like plans really to go to these places. Yeah. I just need a pack of batteries. Oh, I just need a toothbrush. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I need that as well. Oh, yeah. I might as well just buy the turkey today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, 5p plastic bag. Yeah, that's fine. Four, 5p, 20p, that's fine. And so, so yeah. When you're, when you're out and about on your, you know, your life, Tom, when you're doing your actual life, mm. are you constantly thinking, ah, oh, that's interesting? That woman with the shoes at the the counter. I remember that because I could put that in a bit, or I could tie that into something I was writing before that wasn't going anywhere. Do do I think that? Did you you know you you just start picking up bits from other people's lives and yeah, bit, and you start yeah. tying them all together into a bit. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, sort of exploring things. I think it always has to start. It sounds very very uh, you know uh artistic what i'm about to say, but I think it does start with a feeling. That's how I try and start anyway. So I try and go well, what do I feel? Because I think if you're going to sell it, you've got to believe it. Yeah. So either you think very passionately plastic bags are a waste of the planet's resources and they're damaging the environment. I feel very strongly about that. So I've got things to say about plastic bags. I think you have to go into it with a certain energy because otherwise you just go, 
I noticed, um, da, 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 and it sort of has no, if you don't have a point to it or even a, a moment where you go, and then this happened to me and I was really embarrassed. Like that has to have, have a... So there needs to be an emotional arc and you're... Yeah, I think so. Maybe that's a bit wanky of me to say. No, I think that's... I don't know if that's true all the time, but sometimes it is. No, I, th- I, think, I think that's... I think it's a good thing to aim for. Yeah, yeah. I, um, right, yeah. I can only relate it to what I do. Yeah. And uh, I, I always feel... I don't want... In, in my portfolio, I don't ever want there to be an empty image. And by that, sure. I mean um, if I've chosen a colour scheme or if I've chosen a location yeah. or... Uh, put someone in a particular position, mm-hmm. it's got to say something about the person. There needs to be a reason oh, for it. There has to be. It's more of a. Good. It's more of a character portrait. Yeah, very nice. Um, and even though I do live stuff, um, and I don't have that much, <clears throat> I don't have any control over mm-hmm. the lighting and the staging. Yes. And you sometimes even my position of where I am. Yes. Sometimes I can't move in the press pit. I have yeah, to. Yeah. I have to stand for Alice Cooper. Because yeah. they had the cameras, yeah, move uh, actual real, you know, real cameras, uh, video cameras, oh, right. for the big yeah. screens. Um, we couldn't move about, so we had to stay. Oh. I, I literally did not move, but I had a particular lens that I can zoom oh. in and out. Oh. So for things like that, there's all these, there's these, all these restrictions, and even from from that, I have to, I have to create images that um, say something about Alice. Yeah, right. So I have so. The, the main thing to use is kind of a take a really good photo make sure the lighting's balanced and it's in focus but then i can use uh post-production as well yeah right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so m- there's always something some sort of narrative to it yeah that, that definitely that that's kind of my that's kind of my thing i i i, I need i need a focus i like concepts i like yeah um yeah the kind of like character pieces mm-hmm. so for you i might do black and white Sure. I don't I know, but then again, I like I like the color of your shirt that we had today, the one oh, you're wearing okay. now. In fact, the pink, the pink, with the pink and white stripes. Well, you know, whatever you feel, Rob, <laughs> I won't be hurt. Whatever, I trust your instinct. How many are you going to put up online? I don't know yet. Is that I don't a, know. That's not. That's not. A, oh, well, I look forward to it. I kind of see what I kind of see what I get out of it. Sure. Okay, so we're going to end with. Sort oh. of a quiz. Oh, right. You're a comedian, Tom. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten. You are a comedian. So I've got, I've got some doctor doctor jokes. Okay. You have to tell me what the punchline is. Oh, good quiz. Okay. Um, so, doctor uh, doctor, I broke my arm in three places. Um, well, um, you haven't made an appointment. You've just walked in here. <laughs> 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 you didn't even say hello. Who starts a conversation with their doctor by saying doctor, doctor? Who says doctor, doctor? Exactly. Nobody. You're clearly insane. Do you ever call your doctor by their first name? No. Never. Michael? No. Dr. Collins. Have you had the same doctor for years? I don't want people to know my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, it'd be like WikiLeaks. It'd be like the Sony be leak. Very your WikiLeaks. medical history will be <laughs> online. Um, doctor, doctor. I broke my arm in three places. Don't go to those three places. I thought it might be something geographical, yeah. Geo- it's a geographical joke. Mm. Um, doctor, doctor, I think I need glasses. Um, yes, you do. This is the butcher's... Fish and chip shop. Yeah. But if you need glasses, you should go to an optician. Yeah, why are you going to see a doctor? Again, wasting <laughs> doctor's time. The NHS, the NHS only is, has so much money, Tom. The NHS is under enough pressure as it is. <laughs> Um, doctor, doctor, yes. my son has swallowed a pen. What should I do? Um, uh, get him sort of the lid. No, uh, um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, use a pencil. Is that the answer? Yeah. Well, it's not the answer. It's a answer. It's not the definitive answer. No, there can be no definitive answer. What? That's the joke. Is use a pencil. Use a pencil. I suppose that's quite funny. <laughs> or irresponsible for a doctor. Yeah, and there is yeah, surely an X-ray. An X-ray. An X-ray. If you'd swallowed a pen, yeah, I think you you wouldn't really get it down, would you? It might, it might be an Argus pen or a betting shop pen. I think that, would that just? I don't know. Would you just? I imagine it? it's easier to swallow a small pen than it is a sharpie. Oh, I wouldn't. Or like one to of those a sharpie. <laughs> one of those 
big board markers that oh, I can kind like of write in calligraphy. A, board <laughs> a calligraphy board marker? Yeah, I wouldn't like that at all. Doctor, doctor, I think yes. I'm a bell. <laughs> That's short for bell end, though, isn't it? <laughs> Is it? I think I'm a bell. The, do- <laughs> the doctor would be like, yeah, yeah, I think you are too. I think I'm a bell. Um, um, what is it? Ding, ring. You'll have to. Can you ring for an appointment? Take these, and if it doesn't help, give me a ring. Yeah, great. You can use these in your set. I will do. They're funny, I can, as you can tell from my response. Doctor, doctor. Uh huh. I think I'm suffering from deja vu. Um. Yes, I just saw you five minutes ago. Didn't I see you yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Doctor, doctor. Who goes to the? You go see a doctor because you feel like you have deja vu, which is like a made-up thing. But again, wasting doctor's time. If you'd never experienced it before, you might think there's something wrong with your, True. your senses. I also like the idea of calling people by their profession. Like really? It's an old-fashioned thing to do, to call like, doctor, excuse me, doctor. It um, is very ITV drama Sunday night, isn't it's it? It's a very, like, 1950s thing to do. Like, excuse me, nurse, or to Hello, say, butcher. Hello, butcher. <laughs> yes. Ah, good morning, butcher. Oh, I'd hello. like a... Uh, Coal miner, hello. <laughs> yes, or driver. You might say to a taxi driver, <laughs> yeah, um, can, you turn driver. A, can you pull over on the left, please, driver? Or thanks to, dri- to a bus driver, you Do you say, say that to your Uber driver? Do you ever t- I never talk to the bus driver. Oh, you're so London, aren't you? Outside of London, people. I think in Bristol they say thanks, drive or something. Drive? Sh- yeah, as in short for driver. It's weird thanking people for doing their job. Isn't that weird? You're not going to get my thanks for doing what you're paid to do. <laughs> I, I used to love seeing, um, when I was a kid, when I took the bus quite often, oh. in sort of the Hertfordshire area. They'd all, they'd all know each other, so they do the little bus driver Dave wave. Hands what, on the steering d- wheel. Fingers up, uh, fingers down. Quick my wave. dad's a coach driver. He does oh, the same thing. But it's, they don't have to know each other. They just wave at each other. It's like a... Oh, wow. Yeah. Ships passing in the night. Hello. What what, uh, what coach? Like National Express, that kind of coach? Any kind of coach. Just if they see each other on the motorway, they give it to No, no, your wave. dad. Oh, uh, n- not National Express, but like but that, kind sort of of, that sort of coach, yeah. Not like a stage people coach. Up <laughs> like a <laughs> That's where you got your tailcoats from. <laughs> um, doctor, doctor, I've got mm-hmm. wind. Can you give me something? Um, an open window. Uh, uh, I don't. I, can you? Can, um, yes. Here's a kite. Oh, nice. If if a human <laughs> if a human being is producing that much wind that they could hold up a kite, they're very ill. Very ill. Um, and finally. Oh, so soon. This one actually just says doctor, not doctor, doctor. Less urgent. Less urgent. Doctor. Yes. How do I stop my nose from running? Question mark, exclamation mark. Oh, urgent, very urgent. Doctor, how do I stop my nose from running? Um, chop off its legs? Stick your foot out and trip it up. Great. Violent. Great. Violent is always the answer. Always the answer. What a lovely end. Yeah. Um, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Rob. Always a, a pleasure. Time. Always never a pleasure. A never a chore. Uh, people didn't say chore very often, but no, never a chore with you, Rob. Thank you for coming to take my photos. And um, I look forward to seeing them. Yeah, I um, look forward to coming back on your podcast. Give it a plug. Oh, oh yeah, Like-Minded Friends. Uh, have a listen to it. Rob was our first ever guest on it. Episode 8. Um, episode 8, thank you. Uh, was it 8 or 9? It was 8. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, they come out so soon. You do one a week, don't you? Yeah, one a week, yeah. Every Wednesday? Um, yes, they come out on Wednesdays, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can subscribe on iTunes or you can listen on audioboom.com. But Like-Minded Friends is the thing to look for. It's me and Susie Ruffle. Your comedian friend. My like-minded comedian friend. Brilliant. Um, so, yes, thank you very much for all this, and it's been lovely to catch up with you. It's lovely to catch up with you, Tom. Yeah. I've been Robert Gershenson. I've been Tom Allen. And we'll shoot you later. <laughs>